On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we're talking about the Broncos versus Raiders game, Broncos versus Commanders preview, CU Buffs versus CSU, and what the fuck was Jay Norbell thinking? This is Out of Office Bros. Give me my theme music. Hello, 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 Out of Office Bros listeners. It is your boy, D-Train. Sorry for our brief hiatus there. We were a little too stoked on this CU versus Nebraska game. Don't you think, Mr. Scotty L? Oh, man, I think I'm still coming down from that hangover. What a win. And that's not even an alcohol hangover. That's just a victory hangover right there. Yeah, so big for the fans, so big for the community. Uh, everybody that was a part of the CU Buffs, this, you know, they called it the rise back in 2016, right? When we really thought that we were getting things going back then. But this is a meteoric rise. <laughs> and that's why they're not calling it that. But like, but like, that's what it is right now. Oh, man, for, for people like us that have been around for, a long, long time and have watched a lot of bad football <laughs> played on Folsom Field. It, it's just so refreshing to see how this quick of a change has happened and how great it has been for the community, for Buffs Nation, for new fans coming on board, for the old fans like us. It, it's just, it's euphoric. It's incredible. It's cool to be a CU fan again. Finally, when people hear like, oh, I went to Boulder when I talk to people, they want to talk about Prime. They they yeah. want to talk about our football program, and it's so different. But uh, Broncos quickly humbled that victory, and I'm sure we're going to get into that. So yeah, yeah, that is mean, what great it is. pivot, great pivot because we do do want to start with the Broncos today. So uh, I I think I'll kind of start off here. So as a fan of the Broncos. <laughs> Basically, since 2015, we've seen this team play p- pathetic and losing football. And, and, and we've pretty much seen it all. Big, big losses, close losses, uh, inept coaching, <laughs> uh, and, then, and then just overall poor play uh, has kind of like it's 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 kind of gotten rid of like where the Broncos have this like winning culture like we've we've gone away from that winning culture where we're almost expected to lose at this point and as a fan I do not like that at all so and then and then even that feeling that happened to me on Sunday where after we lost that very close game and I wasn't surprised I'm like what is wrong with me why am I not more upset and I think it's because this over the last, you know, seven years, this is all permeated into into a losing culture. Around it, it has, it has, and that's the core essence of the problem, right? You know, Mister Mister B, um, God rest his soul. He he didn't tolerate losing, and he didn't tolerate teams that were okay with it and kind of let that seep into the culture. And God, it pains me to say this. This this must be what being a Nebraska football fan feels like, where. You, you see poor coaching, you see poor play, you're almost expected to lose. You're expected that if you're you're up big or if you're up at all, you're going to choke it away. It sucks, man. It, it sucks going into Sunday thinking, well, we're probably going to lose this game or we're going to find a way to lose. And, it, you know, we, came, we became so accustomed to finding ways to win, whether that was with Peyton or with even Jake the Snake or way back with Elway. 
we found ways to win games that we probably shouldn't have. And I don't know if this is just football karma coming back on us and saying, Hey, you were good for so long that we got to bring you down a peg, but man, it's hard. Yeah, it is. And what to play devil's advocate here a little bit, I mean, it is just one game that, that, that is what we have to remember. And the, and the Las Vegas Raiders may be a lot better than what they look like they are on paper. I mean, wherever Jimmy Garoppolo goes, he does win. I mean, let's be honest about that. I mean, he's usually going to be a good, you know, 10, 11 win kind of quarterback. Um, That being said, though, we left at least four points on the board where we could have easily won that game 20 to 17 had our kicker been able to knock in a single freaking. That was a long field goal, but he's supposed to have this amazing leg extra points, man. You can't miss those. You cannot miss those because at the, we would have gone into overtime had the exact, all the exact same things happened. And then I feel like our offense like wasn't playing a terrible game. Had we gotten the ball first, we may have gone down there and scored and ended that ball game. Yeah. I mean, our offense, they they didn't play bad. I wouldn't call them good. I mean, would you call it, would you call it an improvement over last year? Well, I mean, Russ could walk out onto the center field and take a dump, and that would be an improvement over last year. So, (laughs) yes. But looking at our stats, I mean, we had 177 yards passing, 94 yards rushing. That's not great, and I don't think the Raiders' defense is that great. But we we were in that ballgame. You know, it's kind of that, that thing we're becoming accustomed to where it's like, man, if we could just get a little bit more points on the board. I'm not sitting here saying we need to go light the world on fire and score, you know, 35 a game, but I don't think 24 points as an average is too much to ask for out of an NFL all pro quarterback. Right. And if he, and if he's trying to be, you know, top 10 in the league, like he always says that he is, or that, you know, even the media still kind of talks about him as it kind of, it seems like, um, he need there, there needs to be more than 16 points put on the board for sure. Yeah. So um, a couple of things that we talked about on uh, a pod or two or the, the last pod actually was, um, you know, some of our predictions for this game. And we were getting we were getting some shit in our uh, fantasy football league because you and I are, are both lost our games and are uh, b- bottom two in the power rankings. Uh, and uh, Shalom Sharp came in with a with a you know hot take and said, aren't these the guys with a sports podcast that should know what they're talking about? But to to reel it back in we do kind of know what we're talking about so uh last game i said that we were going to hold josh jacobs to under 80 yards we 100 did that they ran the ball so many times and josh jacobs only averaged two and a half yards per carry we held him to i believe uh i don't have the stats pulled up yeah yeah um but we held him to under those 80 yards for sure. We also talked yards. about, yeah, 48 yards. We also talked about having um, unknown wide receiver X score a touchdown in the game. Lil Jordan Humphrey. Has anybody ever heard of that dude before? Scored a touchdown for us. So, Shalom Sharp, 
I know you listen to the pod, and I just want to tell you, man, we know what we're talking about. I know we predicted that the Broncos would win in a close ball game, but it was a close ball game. The Broncos did lose, but there were a couple of predictions we got right on there. So if if we're betting on it, I'd say we're probably shooting 7 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, and just because our fantasy team sucked doesn't mean we're terrible at predictions. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. He can go play football, but guy knows football. I, I yeah. would say that's kind of us. That's kind of us yeah. right there. Our fantasy team just is really bad. Our fantasy yeah. teams are terrible. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, some sometimes you draft Aaron Rodgers in the 10th round. He gets injured during Monday Night Football and scores 0. 0.0 points. Otherwise, I would have won my game. Um, sometimes you come out looking like me where you know right after the draft, oh, my team sucks. And it just happened. <laughs> Uh, so, back to the, back to the Broncos a little bit though. Our uh, our secondary got eaten alive. I mean, Pat Sertan the second by far and away is the truth at playing cornerback. I mean, the guy is an absolute dog. He ended up with three pass defenses. Um, and then, and then a pretty bad pass interference call, I would say, that extended a Raiders drive. But, I mean, the, the like, pass interference calls are all so... Uh, subjective? Yeah, subject. Yeah, that's, that's the best word. They're subjective. They're, you know, the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, whoever the referee is is going to be the one that calls those. And I, I also hate, though, how the announcers are always saying, like, oh, well, so-and-so would have got that call. Or blank and blank would have got that call on that roughing the passer. That's just such bullshit, man. It should be the same every single every single play. No, the, um, the interference that it, that is involved should be the yeah. exact same. It's just... Unfortunately, it isn't. Um, the yeah. the per, the person that got eaten alive though was Damari Mathis, and I want to talk about this for just a second Ooh. because the guy absolutely looked out of his depth. I mean he he looked like he probably shouldn't be playing on Sundays anymore, and I and I get it. Like we the the Broncos probably should have put Pat Sertan on Devontae Adams the entire game. I don't know what we were thinking, allowing Damari Mathis teed up on Devontae Adams. But the, I mean, there were multiple times where it's just like, get this dude off the field. Is this really our best number two corner? Well, I mean, it was in these moments that it, I, you look at Devontae Adams stats, it's relatively pedestrian to be pretty honest with you. He had six catches for 66 yards. Yes, that's an 11 yards per catch average. That was fourth on the Raiders, or third on the Raiders, apologies, for overall average. So truly, Devontae didn't go off, but it was just like, it was these integral moments of the game. It was these moments where you need to stop, you need your D to step up, and there was Devontae. And guess who was on him? It's... He he didn't go off, but it was just these big moments that were pivotal. I mean, Jacoby Myers was their leader. He had nine catches for eighty-one yards and two tutties. Like mm-hmm. that—that's a hell of a game from him. For until someone saying that, until a saying Bassey tried to take his head off. Tried. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it was Mathis is just terrible. We need to find a better number two. I, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know if we wait for the draft and try and figure that out and address it then. Ooh. We don't have a first-round pick. 
Right. And that's the thing is that like, and a, a solid corner does come in the first round. I mean, there's two or three maybe that come out of every draft that, that end up having a decent career in the NFL. Other than that, it's a dime a dozen that, that are playing yeah. the number two, number three corners. Yeah. They're very average guys after that. And, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe the Broncos are just tanking for Travis Hunter already and getting <laughs> just hand him that number two corner spot with, along with wide receiver two. But my God, man, it was, it was hard to watch. And then the other thing that stuck out to me was another issue. And I know this guy only had one catch, but something we've seen kind of crop up from time to time in the recent Broncos years. And that was Austin Hooper. He had a big gain for 20 yards out of the tight end position. And we've always, I don't want to say always struggled to cover tight ends, but it's always been something that we have to watch because on Sundays you'll find teams that exploit that, especially with great coaching. I don't think the Raiders have great coaching where I'm getting concerned is, you know, Travis Kelsey or, you know, some of our not division games where you're going to see coaches that really can exploit it. I don't think Brand, I don't think Staley out in LA will exploit it that much. I don't think he's that good and under, and gets that strategy. He's kind of more like a McDaniels, but it, it's concerning that we let yeah. a tight end break free for a 20 yard catch. I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and I, I think a lot of that, and I, and I mentioned this uh, on the last pod is I feel like that we were stacking the box to try to stop the run and mm-hmm. every once in a while, man, a play action, that's, that's where they get you. It's just, a, it's a tight end. The quarterback doesn't have to throw it that far. And then the tight end is able to break out into the middle of the open field because we're stacking the box, trying to stop the run. Um so uh, let's pivot a little bit uh, about the Broncos. And well, actually, I, I do have one one quick note on this game. So like I had said, it, this is one game. I'm upset about it because it's another close one that we lost, another one-score game, and it was against a division opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who remain the only undefeated team in the AFC West um, after week one. Yeah. Um, but... What I will say is, is as long as this doesn't become a trend, uh, I did I did see improvement on the offensive side of the ball this game. So yeah. hopefully things moving forward are a little bit better. And I I do think that hiring Sean Payton and bringing him in did mark a uh a, a a point in, in the in the Broncos you know history that right now we are a rebuilding team that's trying to win. Um, yeah. and that it's going to take time. It's going to take good coaching and good, um, you know, g- a good process. And then hopefully we'll see, you know, better results from the team later. No, absolutely. And I, I think one other bright spot from this game was honestly, Samaj P. Ryan. Um, he was our leading yeah. receiver. He, he ran the ball hard. I won't say he ran the ball well, because I don't think the team ran well, but he he gave a little bit of glimmer that he I mean he's going to be better than Melvin Gordon which I, I think we could roll out Ethan and he'd be better than Melvin Gordon to be perfectly honest with you yeah. but it, it was better so I, I've got some hope I think you and I both predicted it would be a close game we obviously both thought they would win but one score loss it is what it is or one point loss even not even one score loss. It is what it is. We got to move on. We got the commanders coming into town. 
for the love of God, though, if Will Lutz misses any more extra points, go sign Mason Crosby off the street right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, seriously. The dude's in street clothes, and he can still kick the ball. Go get Mason if, yeah. if this continues, because I, I can't sit here and talk about kickers for a full football season. Yeah. Kickers are people, no. too, but I can't, I can't sit here and talk about them. Yeah, yeah. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, so let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about our week two game uh, once again at home against the Washington Commanders. Um, I this game, this game is I. It's all. It's like I think this is going to be more of a litmus test for the Broncos to figure out where they're at in the NFL just in general because I feel like the Commanders are in a similar boat where we're a where they're also a rebuilding team. I mean, they're. <laughs> starting Sam Howell at quarterback 50% of America, probably 50% of NFL fans probably don't even know who Sam Howell is. Um, so I, I think that this game really could go either way, but I still think that the Broncos do have an edge on this one too. And I think it's going to be another close one, probably similar scores, but I, but I feel like I, and I hope that Will Lutz got in the, um, I don't know, gym in the in the lab and kept kicking extra points. And then I feel like we, you know, maybe win this one 23-17, 20-17, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a Broncos win here. Um, I think it's going to be close. I, I like kind of where your head's at. I'll, I'll go Broncos 27. Um, Commanders, let's go 21. I think that's going to be probably right around where it lands. Um, Sam Howell, he, it's Sam Howell, man. I, I don't know how he was ahead of Drake May at UNC. Drake May is a far superior quarterback. Um, Howell isn't bad. He's not good. He last week was 19 of 31 for a completion percentage of 61%, threw for 202 yards, so more than Jimmy had, and had one tutty, one interception. He, he's not bad. He's he can hurt you with his legs. He's athletic enough that if you don't contain him in the pocket, that he can make some plays happen out there. Um, they are similar to the Broncos. They struggled to get the run game going. They only had 92 yards rushing last week, 202 yards passing. So about the same on offensive yards. And the surprising thing out of their first game was scary. Terry really didn't do much. He only had 31 mm-hmm. receiving yards, two catches. I so. mean, Washington does have a very good receiving core. I mean, John Dotson, uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, they still have Logan Thomas at tight end. Yeah, Curtis Samuel is is one of those dudes that can break an eighty yard touchdown on any given play. I mean, they really mm-hmm. are. They're they're a talented ball team. I just I think that yeah, they're just not. They don't have the quarterback to really get them to that next level in the NFC. No, absolutely, and I, I agree with you there. And they, they have some pieces on defense, too. I mean, let's oh, yeah, not forget Montez the Twitt. NFL team. Yeah, and, you know, they've got some X-Factors out there. They've got, um, is it Jonathan Allen, I think? Yeah. He yeah. Is, I mean, that dude's a player. That dude, he could cause some fits for, you know, Cushenberry up in the middle and, you know, powers a little bit. He could cause some issues for on the guard spot, so – it's going to be interesting. I mean, Darren Payne, like I said, Darren Payne too. Yeah, this is an NFL team. This ain't intramurals, brother. So we got to be li- ready to line up, get after it on Sunday at Mile High, and hopefully come out with a dub. But if we lose this game, I mean, our 
her season's not looking great. I, no, I like the Broncos it, in this again, but man. And that was kind of what I was just going to ask you is, do you feel that this is a must win for Sean Payton? I wouldn't say so much for Sean Payton because they're, the organization's going to have some patience with him. You gave up a first round pick. You're going to give him time. The the rumor is obviously we don't know what NFL coaches get paid, but supposedly he's making somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 mil to 20 mil a year. Jesus. You don't sink that kind of investment in to these coaches without giving them time. And I think that this new ownership group will give him time. It's a completely different situation than Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, there aren't many coaches that have a Super Bowl ring out there on, as a head coach. So yeah, but Bill Belichick has them all. Bill, yeah, Billy B has them all, and then uh, that's basically it for the most part. Like, oh, Andy, Andy Reid, Reed. Andy Reid, Andy yeah. Reid, and Bill Belichick. Those guys combined for what eight or nine? Nine, yeah. Rings. So yeah. you you give them you give Sean Payton some time. I think this is more of a must win game for Russ, to be honest with you. Yeah, where I, I'm not sure the ownership group will have much patience for him after this year. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot to get out of that contract, but we're dealing with the richest owners in the NFL, so right, they're not afraid not to deal, not de- not dealing with. Luckily, have I would say is more yeah. is more like that. It you know buying out of contracts is a lot easier when you have a super rich owner. Um, yeah, I it, it, to kind of you know summarize this one. I think that it, it's going to come down to defense, and some one team's going to have to get a big turnover. Um, either, you know, in the red zone or on somebody's other half of the field. And then that's going to completely flip the script for the game. But I think it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. Your boy D train is going to be at the game. Uh, I'll let, I'll post it on my socials where everybody's tailgating. If anybody wants to come say hi. Um, and I'm bringing one of, one of my, one of my all time boys with me. So we'll see how it goes. Oh boy. How toxic are we talking about for the all time boy? Oh, the least toxic human being you've probably ever met, and have Ethan? had the pleasure of li- you've had the pleasure of living with before. Oh, David. Mm-hmm. Doctor Dave. All right, <laughs> Doctor Dave is not toxic at all. Yeah, he's a no. good. One. He's a good one. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Awesome. All well, right, the Broncos are depressing. Can we uh can we bump over to some excitement? Oh, oh, that feels better. I think oh, we shall. Yeah. What the fuck was Jay Norvell thinking? Why are you poking the bear? For those that don't know, Jay Norvell, the head coach of the Colorado State Rams, came out into the media at his press conference on Wednesday and said that his mother always taught him to take his sunglasses and his hat off when he is addressing another man. <laughs> what a fucking clown. First off, man, for for those of us that maybe are hiding under a rock and haven't heard about this, Norvell is basking in his 15 seconds of fame right now, where for once in Colorado State's program history over the last, I don't know, 20 years they have some semblance of a relevant moment relevant moment not relevancy there's a difference a relevant moment and it's all been gifted to him by the university of colorado graciously graciously agreeing to play this game 
we don't have to play the Rocky Mountain Showdown. I'm going to put that out there. We haven't played it in several years now. And guess what? 2019, fan base, 2019 yeah. was the last one. So it's been four years since yeah. we've played this game. We don't need to do this. And guess what? The CU fan base has been just as strong. Actually, it's stronger now. Granted, that's a lot of bandwagon, a lot of Prime fans. Welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. We want mm-hmm. you on this ride with us. Even back last year when we sucked ass and we were 1-11, we rushed the field after beating a very bad Cal Berkeley Bears team, we were still filling our stadium. What the fuck is Jay Norvell thinking he's doing? Is he thinking he's motivating his team or is he interviewing for the next job? Well, hey, Jay, you got to win more than four games for this to be an interview for your next job. You're a career 500 coach, dude. What the fuck are you thinking poking the bear? So I'll play devil's advocate here. I do think that Jay Norvell knows that this game is going to be nationally spotlighted because of the coach that's on the other side of the field. And Colorado State, because of what he said, is getting more attention than it has in probably its entire history. It uh, even more than when they were ranked top twenty-five under Sonny Lubick. I like they are getting more spotlight now. Where some kids, like probably some kids in Texas, California, don't even know that Colorado has a state school that. If Jay Norvell now reaches out after this year and says, hey, I'd like you to come and play for me, at least I'll have fucking heard of them. whoop de do You're hearing about him for the wrong reasons. It's like Mel Tucker stroking it on a call. I'm just it's saying. Press. I'm just, I'm just saying that they're, the old adage goes that any press is, bad, is good press. Yeah, except when you got Stephen A. in Boulder. Welcome, Stephen A. When you've got Shannon Sharp to the welcome Stephen A to the bandwagon. Yeah, we'll take you on board. We love your hot takes. When you got Shannon Sharp in Boulder, and they're both on first take live from campus this morning, talking about what an ass Jay Norvell just made of himself, and that they both they both went so far to say this is going to be an ass whooping of epic proportions. Right when Norvell said that. By the way, the line was originally at like 17 and a half CU was favored by. Was that before it the season up. started? No, that was that was this week. Okay. This week. Okay. It is now. I just got on it at let's see, 24 and a half, I believe. Oh my so it goodness. moved six, seven points already. And I hammered that because I think Dion is going to leave Shador in. I think Shador is gonna throw for seven tutties this game potentially. <laughs> like he he's he poked the wrong fucking bear. Dion probably would have taken the starters out after the first half when we're up by twenty, and let the second team get some reps, get some action. It probably would have ended up being around that seventeen fourteen point spread because I still think our second string is going to blow the fuck out of CSU's first stringers because they're terrible outside of Tony Horton. My God, that roster is a high school squad. And and what do you do, like? I think this, if he's trying to incentivize his team or fire up his team by saying this, I think it has actually the opposite effect right now. Because now all his kids are hearing about in the media is you've got Stephen A. Smith saying they're going to get their asses beat. You've got Shannon Sharp talking about that. You've got Pat McAfee going out and saying, I don't know why your coach would do this. If I'm these kids, like if we get blown out this game, we become a laughing stock because of what our coach said. And unless he's putting on the fucking pads and going out and trying to check Travis Hunter or D up on Dylan Edwards, like 
this is a losing scenario for you. What are you thinking doing this? You wanted to give, what, what is one thing all great athletes have in common? It's finding these little, little things to push them continually. You yeah. saw it in the last dance for anyone who watched that well, that's, amazing 10 part series. That's what, that's what I was just going to say is the great ones find any excuse to get motivated. Literally the Michael Jordan story was when he would, they were in Utah and they were playing the jazz in the, in the, uh, not the finals, but in the um, Eastern conference championships. And they or no, that's not right. It was the NBA finals. It was the NBA finals. And a a coach, uh, an assistant coach on the Utah Jazz said, hey, Michael, or no, hey, Mike. He said, hey, Mike, uh, good good luck tomorrow. I hope you have a great game. And Michael Jordan cuts right to him and said, that's all I fucking needed. I took that first. What? (laughs) Don't. Don't do it with these guys, man. Like, there's people that just have there's people that just have a different brain, man. And Deion Sanders is one of those people. You do not poke this buffalo, man. No, I mean the last thing you need to do is give Shador more of a reason to go ball out. Look at what happened the first two weeks. Shador felt slighted by uh, Kendall Bryles at an FSU camp as a high schooler. What did he do to TCU where Kendall is the OC? He went out, he threw five touchdowns and 600 yards. The next week, they felt disrespected by Matt Rule talking about the transfer portal and building his team the right way and taking subtle shots at Dion. Not even subtle shots, no, no. He was pra- he was praising Dion. He was he said he said great things about Dion as an individual. It was it was yeah. him it was a him it was him as a coach that Matt Rule yeah. was saying. Yeah. And then they went and prayed on the Buffalo. At least that's the story out of Cornland, which I still think it was bullshit. And they were trying to get us fired up. I think anyone who's played sports knows that the logo, that logo is sacred and no one from the opposing team steps foot on it until the playing time. But okay. So Shador walks up, flashes the rollie in his, in the Huskers face, gets in their fucking huddle. It was badass. but you're firing up Shador. What happens? Buffs go out and win by, you know, 26. And the only reason it wasn't more was because they got a garbage time touchdown against our thirds, our threes, not even our twos. They couldn't score on our twos. They had to score on the threes. So, okay, good for you guys. You you covered the live spread in the fourth quarter. Woo. Um, and then, you know, CSU, we're gearing up for, you know, honestly, what's kind of like a bye game this year for us in the middle of Nebraska and at Oregon where Dan Lanning has given us legitimate, legitimate fodder to get up for. And it's a ranked matchup. It's on the road. It's our second true road test. It's our first conference game. Why would Jay Norvell go out and do this, man? Like you could have just taken your tail and run with, you know, a 14 point loss against a top 25 team on the road. It wouldn't have looked bad on paper. If you look at the stats, I'm sure Shador was still going to throw for 400. Dylan Edwards would probably get a tutty or two. Travis Hunter is going to do his thing out there. But instead, you went, you fucked up, you poked the wrong buff, and now you're going to be a national laughingstock because there isn't a single media outlet that hasn't picked this up. And if you don't think it's the first story on the Colorado news channels, it is. I, I literally turned on my TV when I got back from the airport today. It was on like nine news here in Denver. And guess what they let off with? The Rocky Mountain Showdown and talking about Jay Norvell running his stupid fucking mouth about something that, let's also call it what it is, it's so petty. You're more concerned about a man wearing a hat and sunglasses than you are the 4-8 and eight roster that you're coaching. 
with <laughs> with talent that can't compete. I mean, that yeah. safety that they got, he's a good player, but he's running probably a 4.8, maybe a 4.940. He's not going to be able to cover these guys that we got. Like, buddy, you are going to be crucified for this. And you know what? Yeah, you might get a you might have someone answer the phone, some recruit answer the phone. It ain't gonna go well. They might laugh at you. I, I think this couldn't have been a bigger misstep. If you wanted to focus on, you know, the transfer portal stuff, fine. If you want to focus on how Dion's going about being very braggadocious and loud, fine. But you went out this man and how he dresses, and then you had a subtle shot of this is how my mom raised me. You're going at Dion's mom. That man loves his mom more than anything. He took a call in the middle of halftime at Jackson state when she found out that she had to have a minor surgery and offered to leave the game in the middle of the game because he loves his mom that much. That is stupidity as its finest stupid is as stupid does. And Jay Norvell, the grease monkey himself just fucking proved that. And, and it, like you said, everybody's talking about it. I was at the gym this morning, saw it on Fox News, then uh, ESPN's on a different TV and they do a segment and then it pops over and they're talking about this game. That's why I wanted to play devil's advocate for a little bit, because I do feel that Jay Norvell kind of knew what he was doing here and that it is giving giving CSU a little bit of a spotlight. But like you said, I, I feel like he did a disservice to his team and his and his athletes because I just feel now that Dion is going to run it up on him and you know he probably like he he even he said after after those comments they were at practice and Dion said we were gonna have a good football game I don't know what and happened don't know what he happened made it personal made it personal and that was and that was the that was the adage uh with nebraska and now we're at it now we're at it again with csu and and here's what sucks man we were really i was rooting for jay norvell at csu i i said in one of our very first pods that anything positive that comes out of the schools that are here in colorado whether it be colorado air force colorado state um any any of them any kind of spotlight is amazing because it because it then brings in more attention to the state of Colorado and getting better recruits and better athletes to our schools and re- regardless of sports. Um, and you saw that at the CU Nebraska game where Tad Boyle had a four-star recruit in. Guess what happened? Committed on Man. Sunday. Committed on Sunday because he saw that atmosphere in Boulder. And it's it's it, so like I, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm spinning in circles here. It, you need that kind of um, national spotlight to bring more and more people here and better athletes here, but doing it in this fashion may end up being a detriment to you and your, to your, not only you, not only your team, but to your career at this school, because if they, because depending on the recruits that end up coming in because of this, depending on how the media reacts to what, to what this game ends up being. I mean, if you, so if you take the, if you take, if you're looking at the line, if you're looking at what the total point scored in this game is at 60 and a half, then the buffs are favored by 24 and a half points. Guess what the score, guess what the score ends up being. Not good for state. It's forty-two to eighteen. 
<laughs> oh my at, god! At, 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 a, at a best, at a best, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, that, that's the best case scenario if we're talking about if all the overs, CU, if all the, if, yeah, yeah, the overhead CU barely covers, right? Like, I, I think I, I just I don't see the benefit here, particularly when like, dude, you don't play in our conference. Like, you're not Pac-12 this year. First off, you guys would be the fucking towelboy of the Pac-12. I mean, this year they would get shit kicked by everyone, and I, I'm throwing Stanford in on that. I think they'd Stanford be, they'd be uh, they'd be as Vanderbilt is to the SEC, and that's being kind to CSU. Like Vanderbilt uh, is at least competitive in one one game a year. CSU, I think, would get waxed by 20 every game in the pack, and then they tried to get in the Big 12, where we're going back to. The Big 12 was like, nah, we're we're good. Enjoy your new shiny stadium that you're in massive debt for. That's the other bit of news that maybe Jane Norvell was trying to cover up this week that came out. CSU Athletics is actually in the hole by about $23 million. Wow. And truly, that number is actually larger. So the issue with Colorado State that they're facing as an institution right now is they took out bonds to build that new football stadium. They also did some new other capital improvements on campus, built some other new buildings. They are about a billion dollars in the hole right now. And those bonds got downgraded. Yeah, billion with a B. And those bonds that they took out got downgraded to junk status. Junk status. We are talking about the potential of a university going bankrupt should the state not bail them out, which is going, that day is going to come. It may not be this year, that day and that conversation is going to come. And part of the reason for the bonds on the stadium defaulting is because it was attendance based on them paying them back. So basically anyone who was issued a bond, who bought into that, would get a share of the revenue, the attendance revenue every year. Uh-huh. Guess what? They haven't been able to fill their stadium because the six fucking sheep fan up north that live in this state that love to run their mouths about the University of Colorado and how we're trust funders and we're all Californians or whatever the hell they want to talk about. They're not even going to their own games, man. Like maybe that was Norvell's thing was to cover up the news coming out because the article just came out this week about um, CSU's athletic department being that far in the red. I mean, CU's in the red too, every athletics department. I think there's only three athletics departments in the country that are actually profitable. But CU has the only two profitable Division I programs in the state right now. And that's That's football and men's basketball. And men's basketball, which is great. The women's basketball team is running at a very slight deficit right now. J.R. Payne has done some amazing things for us to just break from football for just a second. Go out and support the Lady Buffs. They're they're incredible, man. Our our women's soccer team is on a fucking roll too. Our women's yeah. lacrosse team is great. Like we are entering a golden era for the University of Colorado, and obviously Dion is the face of that, and he should be. And I think, you know, there's a strong argument to be made of already extending Dion and doing what it takes to keep him here, whether that's a revenue share on apparel or ticket sales or whatever the case may be. Well, and and some statistics came out and Dion said this at his press conference that when uh, Nebraska came to town on Saturday, that Boulder as a city had a net revenue of $18 million from hotel stays, restaurants, all of that kind of thing. You're telling me $18 million in one weekend? Well, Bruh. think about it. Boulder, Boulder's not that big. We don't got that many hotels in Boulder. 
No, and they got the, that dumbass green have. belt. They got that dumbass green belt. Yeah, and the ones that did have the hotels in Boulder, they were charging for a three night stay minimum. You had to oh, do yeah. like two or three nights minimum there. So that pushed people out to Broomfield. That pushed people out to Superior, Lafayette, mm-hmm. Louisville, like people staying in Denver. So I would say the yeah, economic was, impact was much larger. What was Highway 36 like getting back into Denver after that game? Oh my God, man. It was a, it was a nightmare. Honestly, like it was a nightmare getting into the game. I think I talked a little bit about this on the emergency pod we did, but it was backed up to Flatirons Mall, which is absurd. I've never seen 36 like that for a Buffs game. And then going back to Denver, dude, it was, I mean, it was just stop and go the entire way. I think it took me an hour and 15 minutes to get back home. And that's usually, you know, a 25 minute drive. Yeah. Like it's insane. And then, you know, I'm walking downtown the next morning wearing a buff shirt and I got four go buffs, like just walking downtown Denver. And then, you know, I get to the airport that day and suddenly I'm seeing everyone wearing buffs gear. I go, we're down in Florida and dude, I'm walking around Disney world of all places. And I'm just wearing a CU shirt or this hat that I'm wearing for our viewers out there. People were stopping me and talking about the buffs everywhere I went. Like I'm at the gate getting ready to board the flight to Orlando. And this UCF guy, our flight was full of UCF fans because they were all coming from Boise. They played Boise State and they yeah. had to connect back from back from Boise to De- through Denver to Orlando. I had US, UCF fans coming up at me and being like, dude, how does it feel? I'm like, it's amazing, but you guys have a good program. You're coming to the Big 12 with us. Like, mm-hmm. aren't you excited? And they're like, yeah, man, we love our program. We love the we love the Knights. We're excited about the future. But man, Dion, Coach Prime. Yeah, like, like this is the this is the national story, man. It is. We're living and, we're living it as Buffs fans. And you know, to bring it back to this week, you're welcome, Colorado State. You're welcome, Lammies. We're bringing you along with us this week. You're getting national spotlight for the kids. That once again, that's where I feel like Jay Norvell really failed, man. Is like this could have been such a cool moment for the kids. Like, okay, yeah, they're gonna they're by all accounts, they're probably gonna lose this game. I mean, there's like a ninety nine percent chance that they they lose this game. Yeah. But they got to go do the ESPN filming earlier this week for like the promos and all that stuff. And you know, when they make a big play, if one of them happens to get a big play, they got to film for their little spot and they get to go out and be on ESPN. They get to be talked about on big noon kickoff and ESPN college game days on campus. They get their helmet right outside, right next to the Buff logo while, you know, the Lee Corso's doing his thing and Kirk Curb Street's doing his thing up there. Like this could have been such a cool moment for them. And now the conversation has shifted to talking about this thing that was so petty and it's not about the football. And not and not what type of game that this is going to be, but what rather how much is CU going to win by? Yeah, and I think Jay Norvell also did a detriment to the state. You talked about it when both teams are good and getting exposure, like it's better for the state as a whole. And instead of talking about the history of the Rocky Mountain Showdown, which has been filled with amazing moments, you know, from the Rams side, you had Bradley Van Pelt coming in and doing his thing in the early 2000s and he was a thorn in CU's side for years they have they had top 25 programs with Sonny and then you can look at the CU side with the clat lightning touchdown pass or you know Lawrence Vickers just 
stiff arming a man into oblivion as he goes into the end zone. Like there have been great, great moments in this rivalry that dates back to the 1890s. And yet, what are we talking about right now? We're talking about Jay Norvell picking on what another man wears. <laughs> like, let's get this into perspective here. Instead of talking about the football, because they got some players, Tony Horton, like we said, he's going to be playing on Sundays. He's the most recent in a line of very capable CSU receivers. He could have been talking about that. He could have said, you know, we're excited to get out there. We're excited to showcase our guys and what talent they got. You know, they got a good team down in Boulder. They're 2-0. We're excited for our opportunity to go in and shock the world. And guess what? Non-issue. Then if they happen to pull off the upset, which I don't think is possible, but if they had happened to, he comes out looking like a king. Yeah. Like, my God, this guy got his, he got his team prepped. He got his team ready. They weren't focused on the media. They weren't focused on the noise. And then suddenly the conversation almost shifts a little bit to, is Colorado too focused on the hype and the noise and buying into the media a little too much versus prepping for the game? Whereas now it's like Dion's going to go out and cause he hears everything and he's going to, he's going to bury them. And yeah. I mean, bury them. I got on the line for the buffs in the first half to cover. I think that was like 10 and a half. I got on buffs overall for the game at uh, minus 24 and a half that I love that to cover. I got on actually, I had a bonus bet on BetMGM. Shout out BetMGM, no free ads, go on ahead and sponsor us. But got on on that with uh, buffs to win by 31 to 36. That was a plus 550. Used Holy my bonus shit. bet on that. Um, actually, for for this game, like plus 550 almost feels low as a better, where it's like, oh, I, I almost feel like that should be more. But I think that came from Jay Norvell's comments of like, Dion's going to pour it on now. I think that probably would have been closer to around plus 1100 or plus 1000, somewhere in there. And yet, now it's like the the countries and Vegas in particular is prepping for the buffs to just fucking absolutely slaughter them. Yeah, yeah. It's sad, uh, man. Something that got uh, brought up in our in our um, fantasy football group chat uh, today is because we all, I mean, eight out of ten of us went to see you that are in this uh, in this fantasy football league was our. Um, was the records that CU football had gotten while we were in school. And so, uh, Scotty L, you and I, we ranged from 2010 to 2016 at the University of Colorado. Um, and I just wanted to run down real quick uh, what I have suffered through and why why this is so awesome as a Colorado Buffaloes football fan. Uh, so my freshman year, we went five and seven. Uh, my sophomore Great. year, my, my first year on the chip team, we went three and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second year on the chip team, uh, one and 11, mm-hmm. uh, my first senior year, four and eight, and then my victory lap two and 10. Um, Whoa. there are certain moments in any fandom that you just remember better than others. And the one, the one that does it for me as a, and and then here, uh, Scotty L, I believe yours are, then you would have 2015, four and nine, and then 2016, 10 and four, uh, which was, I was that gone was, by 2016 though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You were, oh yeah, you were. 
That was a four and done. I should have taken the victory lap. <laughs> Missed opportunity there. But yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, my so, best year we Shalom saw. Sharp, Shalom Sharp was still in school though for the for the ten and four year. Yep. So he he got to see he was part of the rise as they used to that's call. That's why he's such an asshole. That's right. Yeah, he he can laud that over us. Um, but there are certain certain games, certain things that you try to forget, but you just can't for some reason. It just sticks with you, and and I feel like that this is why I have such a positive mindset when it comes to my teams and footballs because I had to not only sit through this football game but mascot this football game was where number four ranked Oregon at the time in Outson Stadium beat the Colorado Buffaloes 70 to 14. Here's how here's how it went. First quarter 28 to nothing. Second quarter 56 to nothing. <laughs> Third quarter, oh, 70 to 14, and then nobody scored in the fourth quarter. Dion, once again, man, sir, not man, sir, thank you so much. You have brought a sleeping fandom out of me that has been dormant for a very long time. I've always been active. I've always paid attention to what the buffs are doing. But when you got hired is when myself and the gentleman on the screen next to me decided we need to do this podcast. We actually, yeah. ha we actually have something now that we're, that we can happily talk about and enjoy. Dion Sanders. Thank you. Once again. Yeah, I mean your boy D train. <laughs> it, it's uh I, I think I've said it a couple times now, but it's surreal, man. Like we we watched this a lot of This doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. And not with this speed, not with this gross of a turnaround. I mean I I sit here every day and the people in my life around me are probably just sick of it because all I do is talk about the buffs. Like uh, when I call my parents, they, they literally pick up and say, is, is this just a Dion Sanders phone call? And I'm like, <laughs> fuck yeah, it is. Like, like I want to talk about this. <laughs> or you're like, no, <laughs> no, I call to say I love you and mm -hmm. Dion Sanders. And, and I love <laughs> Dion even more. Like it, it's just, it's so surreal. I mean, we're going from, I watched us literally back into one win my freshman year. I remember where I was. I was sitting in my dorm room in Smith Hall um, over in the Kittridge community, and Jordan Webb was our quarterback. We were playing at Wazoo. That same year, we had lost to Sac State at home. We got beat in the showdown. It was a brutal year, man. And we were playing Wazoo, the Pirate, Mike Leach, RIP, so one of the best figures to ever exist in college football. And somehow we hung in with him that game and Jordan Webb literally fell ass backwards into the end zone for a run that put us ahead with like eight seconds left. I was the only one I saw that year. We did not win a game at home. The next year, it got a little bit better. We, we had some veteran quarterbacks that were terrible. And during the ASU game, we decided to trot out true freshman Sefo Lufau. Um, Sefo 
heart of a champion, man. That guy, he embodies what it meant to be a Colorado Buffalo. He he played with everything. He left it all on the field for every year he was there. And every um, play, man. First, every play. Dude got beat up. Dude's body has to be wrecked by now. But he, he left it out there for us. And, you know, we, we won three games. The, the next year, or no, we won four games that year. So it got better. Then the next game, we won three games. Or the next season, we won three games. And then my senior year, we had some hope because we had some players. We had Cepho, who was a vet at that time. We had Philip Lindsay in the backfield, the truest Colorado Buffalo I have ever seen. And we won four games. Then we had the rise, which was the year I graduated. Amazing year. I went down to the Alamo Bowl as a recent grad, spent what little money I had to go down there. I think it was actually my Christmas gift this, that year for my parents to pay for my flights down there to, to San Antonio. Hell yeah. Watched us get killed because we were just decimated by injuries at that point, but it was an amazing year. We all thought going into the next year that we were going to be better. We weren't. We, that was the year we choked away a 30-point lead at halftime to Oregon State in our homecoming game. And it, it's all been downhill. It, it has. I mean, I'm looking at our stats from last year. Our leading receiver was Montana Lamonius Craig. Really good player. Had a chance to play on this roster. Uh, for Dion got along well with Shador. Transferred to U of A. Fine. Wish him well. Um, just except when he plays the boss. Last year, he had 359 yards receiving. This year, as it stands right now, we have four players over 140 yards receiving in two games. Yeah, Xavier Weaver has 288. I could see him passing Montana this week. This weekend, yeah. Travis Hunter has 192. Could also see him passing Montana. Jimmy Horn, 181, and then Dylan Edwards, our freshman running back. Our true freshman running back has 143 yards receiving. It, 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 I can't say it enough. It's surreal, and this, this shit doesn't happen in sports. No, this doesn't. This does not happen where you bring in this influx of talent, and suddenly overnight it, you, you're on a different trajectory than what you were. I mean, Dion was on first take today talking about this. Coach Prime, I need to stop referring to him as Dion. I, this man earned my reverence at this point. <laughs> he, was, he was on there today, and he's talking about, we're about eight dogs away. Eight dogs away from being in the national title game. And he, know, and he exactly knows what positions those are, too. It's probably on the defensive line and the O-line. He said, I need O-line, D-line, and, and linebackers. He called it out on game day. And then he, he got everyone to say, I ain't hard to find. He had Stephen A. Smith. He had Molly. He had Shannon all saying, I ain't hard to find. Like, that's massive for recruiting. We got some big visitors this week. Yeah. I mean, big. It is an insane group of visitors coming in this week. We have the number one overall quarterback for the class of 2025, a true five-star, the number four overall player in the country. He's coming in this week. He was originally supposed to come in on uh, the USC game, but these kids are starting to bump their visits up because they're worried if we will have a spot for them. We have a 2024 four-star Alabama commit on the defensive line coming in. He is committed to the University of Alabama, yet he's coming in on a visit to Boulder. He's a 24 kid. We have a 2025 four-star wide receiver coming in. He's an Oregon commit. We have a four-star interior offensive lineman coming in. And that's class of 2024. We have a 2024 four-star athlete who's a Tennessee commit named Boo Carter coming in. And we have a ton more high three stars, four stars, all coming in from the class of 2025. 
for this game against Colorado State. That doesn't happen. No, it it you know that it's it's insane. It is actually insane what is going on here at the University of Colorado. And I today was the perfect example of it. The fact that Pat McAfee show is there. And again, I get it. He's on game day. So he was going to be there tomorrow anyways. Or today, I guess, if you're listening to the podcast. Um, but the fact that he's there on our campus where I where where their stage was, I probably could have hit my dorm with a football is absolutely insane to me. Like I, I was oh, trying yeah. to, I was trying to explain to my boss, like, cause we were both watching it. I was like, my dorm is right fucking there. And he's like, I, who cares, dude? <laughs> like me, it, it, it's insane. <laughs> it matters to me. <laughs> dude, I remember when we had college game day for basketball with Digger Phelps. We didn't even get Dickie V for the Valentine's day massacre back when I was a freshman. Yeah. The justice for Sabatino game. And it this doesn't even compare. I thought that was insane. That was unreal. Yeah. This is, I I mean, it, it doesn't feel real. Like I'm I'm watching this on the plane, and I'm sitting there like, I walked that field every day. It's right across from where my dorm was. I I walk that every game day. That's I park by my old apartment in Boulder, and I walk through by Coors Event Center, and then I walk down campus, like through that business field. Yeah, it, it's. It's absolutely insane. Um, yeah, the fact we that actually Sh- haven't done any that, preview, the, though. The fact that Shannon Sharp, uh, The Rock, Pat McAfee, um, Steve, I mean, st- like we like all these celebrities are out as well, not just these high profile recruits that are there. It's absolutely insane. But yes, that is Gronk. the next that is where I was going to pivot was we actually haven't done a preview yet. I mean, so yeah. I, so I heard you say that you're taking the buffs to cover that 24 and a half. So what do you think? Uh, what do you, what, I mean, what do you think happens? Pain uh, to quote Mr. T and Rocky three. Yes. I, I think, okay. So I think we're going to come out firing. I think Sean Lewis is going to have an incredible game plan as he's done the first two weeks. Um, I think Shador is more motivated than ever. This is the worst of the pass rushes that we have seen this year. They have some players granted, but they don't have anyone that's going to get around our two massive tackles on the outside. They may be able to get some pressure up in the middle of the, of the offensive line, but even then we'll see. Um, I think Shador is going to have all day to throw, and I think he's going to go out and prove a point. Well, and Shador, you know, Shador has already shown in the two, the first two games that he's adept at uh, stepping up into the pocket when the when the pocket is collapsing. Um, yeah, and he'll keep plays alive too and move outside the pocket. Like, yeah, we and saw he keeps that his eyes the game. Field. Yeah. So I, I think Shador, I, I think Shador is going to have probably four fifty plus passing with, I, I'd say minimum. I'll be nice and say four touchdowns passing because I think we're going to also work on our running game this week and get it going. Um, I, I think we're still not going to see the biggest addition to our backfield this year in Alton McCaskill, the former freshman All-American uh, from the University of Houston that transferred here. I think we might see Cavassier Smoke, the University of Kentucky running back transfer, finally get some run this week. Um, I think you're going to see you know, Anthony Hankerson and Dylan Edwards get the bulk of the carries along with Savion or uh, with um yeah Savion not Washington but our third back who came from Jackson State you, those three are going to get the bulk of the carries 
Do you um, think that we do you think that we see a lot more of Smoke and um Cavassier in the Oregon game? Yes. I, I think Alton McCaskill makes his debut against Oregon and that's the one that oh, yeah, I'm really Alton, excited sorry. for. Um you know, Smoke, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a dog and he's gonna be someone that's more of a bowling ball running back. Um he's gonna be a factor for us without a doubt. So it's our running back room is so deep, man. I mean, even down to our walk on and Charlie offered all the coach prime calls Charlie often ball. Love the kid. You know, it's we have the deepest running back room imaginable for the University of Colorado that I've seen in my lifetime. And they haven't even gotten it going. I think part of that's Sean Lewis just when he wants to call the run, he's really good at it. But when you've got a quarterback that realistically this year, as it stands right now, is a top three prospect for the NFL, like out of the quarterback position. He is in that conversation with Caleb and with Drake May, um, it, it, which is insane. You you ride that hand and you let him ball out and do his yeah. thing. But I think this is the week we start seeing some running game going. I still think Xavier Weaver well, and, we're probably, and Travis. I mean, we're probably, we're probably going to go up by three scores pretty early, so we're just going to want to be eating clocks so that we can get out of this game. Yeah, and get out healthy is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think Travis is in for a monster game again, continuing that Heisman campaign. I think Zay Weaver will quietly again have a monster game, and I think Jimmy is probably going to take one over the top and and have like a seventy-five yard touchdown. If we're going to get with our really oddly specific predictions of this pod, um, I see on the defensive side, our corners are going to absolutely lock down CSU. I, I mean, Travis Hunter is going to be on Horton. That's an NFL matchup. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm assuming Horton will get his. He'll probably get three catches. I, well, I, I hope that I hope that Travis I hope that Travis is looking forward to that matchup because Horton is an NFL prospect. So I, I really hope that he's one ready for it, but two is just is looking forward to it because I, I, I probably the best receiver he'll have seen so far this year. It'll be out there. He's top. He's probably in the top two. Um, TCU did have one really good one, and Travis locked him down. Um, I, I think Travis continues his Heisman campaign and comes out and puts up some big numbers. I think the same out of Shador. I think Omarion Miller, um, our other DB opposite of Travis, is going to have himself a game. And I really think that we're going to see five-star corner, number one in the country, Cormani McLean make his college football debut this week against the Colorado State Rams and get some live action reps, which is going to be incredible. And I, I see the buffs running away with this. I see Dion walking out to the center of the field, taking his hat off, taking his sunglasses off to prove a point and shaking Orville's yeah. hand. Yeah. And it, it's going to be incredible, man. And we got celebrities coming in. We have an amazing recruiting class coming in. You know, Gronk is coming out with big noon kickoff. He's doing his Gronk pregame party. At Boulder this week on Folsom on Farron Field, um, he's got Lil Wayne with him. So Weezy's coming in. You know Weezy's going to be on the sideline. That's Prime's boy. And <laughs> the newest one confirmed is Offset from Migos. Heck yeah. he's going to be on. He's going to be out there. So it's going to be a beautiful weekend in Boulder, man. And you know the Rams they they've got some interesting aspects this week. They're starting a new quarterback for the first time. Clay Millen has been benched. He's not out injured. He has been benched for a redshirt freshman, I believe. Uh, kids got kids got a gun. He can sling it, but he's also highly inaccurate and will try to force shit. 
which you do not want to do against this secondary because you got even the safeties got hands. You got Shiloh and Trevor Woods back there. You're not going to want to force it on them. Our corners, I think, are honestly the best in the Pac-12. I, I really do believe that. So it, it's going to be, I would say, we probably force three turnovers. We don't quite get to the Nebraska four that we made, but the sheep are going to be uh, driving back up to Fort Collins tomorrow night, pretty lonely and sad at about two in the morning. Meanwhile, Boulder is going to be absolutely raging again. Yeah. And they can record the local news and, uh, you know, enjoy the uh, breakdown of how idiotic their coach was. Yeah. Cause what a, what a dipshit thing to say, man. Well, like, I feel like, I feel like we might be having an emergency pod at around 1130 midnight tomorrow after, uh, after this one, or maybe, uh, maybe first thing on Sunday morning when I'm heading to the Bronco game, but, uh, any, any other quick hits that you like to add? <laughs> oh, if, if anybody cares about D trains prediction, it's buffs by a 30 at least. Um, I love that. Scotty, love anything that else, anything else you want to add in either about the Broncos or our Colorado Buffaloes? Yeah, man. I mean, we'll we'll see uh, if we do an emergency pod tomorrow. You know, I think we did it for Nebraska because Nebraska is actually relevant in our landscape of college football. They're a power five program and they're not little brother. Yeah, um, it is fun to immediately react. So we'll see what we do there. Um, actually, just one more thing I wanted to talk about quickly. So I was scrolling through Twitter or I guess it's now X X X. Thanks, Elon Musk, you jackass. You're kind of the Jay Norvell of this. Um. So I was looking through Twitter today and I saw this insane quote and it was from like Stefan Diggs. It quoted Stefan Diggs, Vaughn Miller, and a couple of NFL guys just talking about Travis Hunt, right? So Stefan Diggs, true, he said he truly believes that Travis Hunter has the potential to be the first $304 million non-quarterback in NFL history. I said that. Yeah, you 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 compared him to Shehei Otani, mm-hmm. and then Vaughn Miller was asked about Travis Hunter, and he said his payday in the NFL will be insane because he's playing both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. As a frame of reference for what Travis Hunter is doing right now with his current pace, and he had a down week against Nebraska. Let's not forget that he had a down week. They checked him a little bit. Hunter is currently on pace for 1,152 receiving yards, 18 PBUs, pass breakups, and six interceptions. That is ungodly. This kid is a generational talent. Yeah. And he is walking on our campus. Like, he he's must-see TV by himself. He just happens to have oh, dude, he's a, a walking highlight quarterback. The, the dude's insane. Like I, I saw that tweet and I had to sit back and think about it. And it's like, you know, we we've mentioned the comparisons between him and Otani, even though the sports are different. And we talked about like, how do you pay this guy? Given it is he's the, going with it's, like both it's sides. It's the only comparison that makes sense. It is because this has not been done. I mean, even his coach Dion did play both sides. He played all three phases in the NFL, but he didn't do it like traps. No, that. It's just so different. And then you got, I mean, Xavier Weaver quietly is, he could, he could win the, he could, uh, he could win the, the best receiver the, for college football. The Belitnikov. Belitnikov. Yeah. The Belitnikov award. You've got Jimmy Horn, who is a threat, a serious threat over the top and out of the slot. 
And then you got Dylan Edwards out of the backfield, who, once again, I cannot emphasize this enough, is a true freshman. We've got him at least two more years yeah. in Boulder. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Once again, it is this so doesn't good happen. To be a buff fan. It's so good it's to be a buff fan. It is amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> well, uh, everybody, thank you so much for giving us another listen on Out of Office Bros. We will be out of office again next Wednesday, getting back onto our routine. For immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. I should start saying X. Please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Best, the Out of Office Bros. Go Buffs and go Broncos. That's right, baby.